0: Big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott,
1: 97.5 and 12 the zone. Sounds of the week right there. Brought to you by the top 1660. It's back on the zone sports network. Listen every one thirty. hits Hanson, Scotty G. announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah as you catch down to the start of the college football season. It's the top 1660 presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON only here on the zone sports network. We're live at Bullfrog Spas in Harriman. 70, 17 West, 118 South. It's their job fair. They are hiring. And if you're looking for a new gig, come on out. Got a little lunch for you as well. Uh, on-site interviews and, uh, yeah, great benefits, great wages, a variety of different roles available. Uh, find out if uh, the, it's a good fit for you. 70-17 West, 118 South in Harriman. Gordon, uh, coming up here momentarily, we're going to talk a little USC football with Adam uh, Grosbard. He covers uh, USC for the OC Register. We'll find out if he's as high on Keaton Slovis as you always are.
2: <laughs> I was just a little ahead of the curve, that's all. <laughs> you were ahead of the curve?
1: Yeah. Because you wrote after his first game that he was going to be <laughs> a Heisman it. Trophy I did winner. I
2: not say that. I, and you show me where I said that. It was implied. It was not implied. Was if, implied. if you can find where I said that, and it's in writing... Uh, Then I will, I'll buy you lunch.
1: Oh, okay. Well, uh, I'll jump right on that. Well, you won't find it. Probably not. Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. It's no mystery. Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at SmartRain.net. He covers USC for the Orange County Register. He's Adam Grossbard with us here on The Big Show. Hi, Adam. How are you?
0: Hey, doing good. How about you guys?
1: We are doing uh, terrifically well. Of course, college football is uh, right around the corner. And Gordon and I were just talking a kind of handicap in the South. And with uh, Utah, Arizona State and USC should be quite the race this year, I'd think.
0: Yeah, it really should be. I mean, every team, you know, has the talent. Every team has the question marks. So it's just going to be interesting to see how it shakes out once week one starts.
2: So we were talking earlier about Keaton Slovis, uh, and other than the fact that the Trojans have themselves a quality quarterback, although Jake is still resisting that for some reason. Why don't you like <laughs> Keaton Slovis? Oh, I like him fine. It, you, you need to know the backstory on this, Adam.
1: After Keaton his first start, Gordon wrote a column in the Salt Lake Tribune just basically uh, saying he was the best quarterback in college I, I football. Did not, I did so not say that. So I like to that. tease Gordon <laughs> over jumping the gun.
2: That's all. Uh, okay, all right. I, I, I did praise him. However, I did not do all the other stuff that Jacob was talking about. But, uh, okay, we you address how a quality quarterback he is? And then tell us some of the other strengths that you're expecting from the Trojans.
0: Well, I mean, he's definitely grown a lot since he's been here. He's just very, um, seems a lot more sure of himself than he did the last couple of years in terms of, you know, now he's a junior. uh, He feels very comfortable going up to his receivers and talking about, hey, this is what I like on this route, things like that. Um, It's going to be a different year for him, though. I mean, Amon saint Brown's gone. Tyler Bonds is gone. Um, So really the only returning contributor at receiver this year for USC is Drake London and Drake London, the way he's playing right now, he's just making everything look so effortless at camp. He is just screening high first round pick at this point, the way that he's playing. Um, But that said, there are some question marks there uh, around him. That's a lot of new faces at receiver. So it's going to be interesting to see, how that kind of shakes up and who you know kind of rises to the occasion especially after you know brew mccoy was suspended for uh following an arrest
1: so curious about how you feel the air raid in graham harrell's offense is is a good fit there at usc i actually asked that question to keaton slovis at pac-12 media day and he obviously loves it but is it a good fit for the team as a whole
0: uh, I think it is just based off the fact that they are still kind of struggling to find a rushing identity. So the fact that they have, you know, very savvy receivers, if not guys who are totally uh, veterans in this system, they're just very savvy and kind of know, Oh, this is the way this corner is breaking. So this is the way I should break on this route. You know, it allows the receivers to use their IQ, which makes a lot of sense for the guys that they have on the roster and um, It's going to be interesting, though, this year because there are just a lot of questions along the offensive line this season. Um, There's no apparent first-round pick like they've had at the tackles the last couple of years. And so how, you know, does Keaton have enough time in the pocket to be able to make those, you know, long reads and let those deep plays develop? Or is he going to have to learn how to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker this year, which I think might be the case?
2: You've got to understand that Jake thinks that the SC should go back to the days of student body left and student body right. Right, Jake? I think that uh, they
1: can recruit the best running backs in the country and have done so for nearly a century. So why would you go away from running the ball?
0: Uh, maybe if you're not recruiting the best offensive linemen to block for those running backs, I think is the current answer. So I don't know if that's, you know. That's a, it's more of an excuse than a rationale.
1: As you can tell, Adam, Gordon and I have a lot of disagreements about the Trojans for some reason.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're, they're definitely a divisive team, I think, entering this. I, I don't <laughs> think anyone fully knows what we're going to get. And it's kind of, you, know, you know, it felt very weird for me putting them at number 17 in my AP poll. Cause, I was like, is this really a top 20 team? But... Are there really, you know, enough teams to bump them out of the pole? I, I couldn't quite get there. So it's going to be a weird is, team to watch this year for sure.
2: Is Clay Helton uh, still a, sort of a lightning, kind of a divisive figure? He seems like a really nice guy. I don't know him. I don't cover him on the reg. <laughs> but it seems like USC is one of those premium programs that you feel like they could get whoever they wanted, and uh, they sort of have a plumber. At the head coach's position,
0: right? I I think you have the right read on him in terms of he is, like, a genuinely nice person. I also don't think that there's anything he can do to win back the USC fan base short of a national title. (laughs) And even then, I think there would be some USC fans who, like, couldn't fully enjoy it because then that would mean that, you know, Clay would be sticking around longer. Um, So it's definitely a peculiar coaching situation for this uh, program. Is he part of the problem with SC
2: in its its attempts to return to glory?
0: (sighs) It's hard to say. I don't know that – I don't think he is the best X's and O's coach. I think that for a while he was put at a disadvantage just based off of, you know, USC was not built the way you would think that a Blue Blood would be built. They were really far behind in terms of recruiting staff, in terms of, you know, those kind of additional staffers like strength and conditioning and nutrition and sports psychology and all those things were really far behind. And that's something that the new administration has tried to build up. And you're definitely seeing that pay dividends uh, in recent years in terms of recruiting and some of their player development has been really a lot stronger than I think a lot of people expected out of the um, 2020 signing class. 2020? Yeah. I always get my signing classes mixed up based off to which year they actually sign. But um, the, the 2020 class was, like, really looked down upon, but all of a sudden you've got two offensive linemen from that class as redshirt freshmen look poised to be the starting tackles this year, Cortland Ford and Jonah Monheim. Then you got Tuli Tulipaloto has just become an absolute monster on the defensive line, and looks like you know he could play all three positions along the line this year. So there's definitely some good things happening, but I mean, is that going to like really translate to the type of success USC wants, which is you know Rose Bowl appearances and playoff appearances? Uh, I'm skeptical. Um, there's just so many holes along this team as well. So I, I don't know if we're going to see Clay Helton be the guy who's going to bring USC back to that, those glory days.
1: You mentioned uh, that the contenders for the South Division each have their holes, which I'm sure is, uh, you know, Gordon and I have talked about Utah's at great length. But uh, what what are USC's holes, you think?
0: Uh, the depth on the defense is concerning. Um, I'm not really sure that they have a second corner, like second starting quality cornerback, let alone a third if somebody gets hurt behind uh, Chris Steele, or God forbid Chris Steele gets hurt, then they're really in trouble at corner. Um, They're probably one and a half, maybe too deep on the defensive line right now. So if you have some guys get hurt, then you're really depending on some young and unproven guys. Um, and like I mentioned before, I haven't seen a lot to show that the USC run game is going to return to the glory days this year. They got some good guys on the transfer portal and Keontae Ingram from Texas and Darwin Barlow from TCU. who have had really good camps, although they've both been hampered by some injuries the last week. Um, but I just don't, we haven't really seen the offensive line create a lot of space for those guys to operate. Um, And the the pass block has been really, really troubling watching it this year. Every time the defense blitzes, you know, they send five guys or six guys, and there's just absolutely no way that the offensive line has been able to compensate for that. So I think that they are very vulnerable there, and that could cause some real issues for them uh, in the season.
2: We've been talking about the South a lot, obviously, with Utah in it. And uh, we think Utah, Arizona State, SC, just because it's SC, should be fighting for the division. Uh, sounds like you have your reservations about that. But what's the deal with Utah playing at the Coliseum? Because that should be a really big game. And the U- they haven't won in L.A. for over a century now. I mean, And I've covered a number of those games, not – for the whole century, but I've been down there a lot, and the and the Utes, as tough as they are, as, as well as they play, with their defense and all that, they just have not been able to conquer the Trojans in the Coliseum.
0: I don't know. That's a real... It doesn't make a ton of sense, but I mean, you know, last year was the year that USC broke the streak of those guys not being able to win on the road against each other. So maybe there's a change coming, but it is kind of peculiar because it's not, you know, USC has a very, you know, historic home field advantage, but it's not like it's been like a, you know, an SEC or a big 10 type road environment for teams the last few years. I mean, Oregon just absolutely embarrassed USC in the Coliseum two years ago. Not to mention the Pac-12 title game with no fans there last year. Um, So it's kind of, odd that utah especially as good as they've been the last few years haven't been able to do it you think they'd be happy to get into some warmer weather later in the season (laughs) but you know we'll, we'll see we'll see you know 2021 anything's possible right
1: this is the last thing for me, Adam, and I'm, this is kind of a curious thing. Uh, how is Mike Bone doing on the job as athletic director? I, I, I watched the Netflix documentary on the admissions scandal thing, and uh, it, it brings. If, if anything that that did, it made them go outside the family for an athletic director, which they hadn't done in a while. How's he doing navigating those unique waters down there at USC?
0: Well, it was a peculiar year, right? Like, because he got there November 2019 and, you know, five months later, all of a sudden he is locked down and not able to go out and do the things that you'd think a new athletic director would want to do, like shaking hands with alumni and getting to know everyone within his athletic department on a really personal, in-person basis. Um, but that being said, they've really increased the support staff around campus. Uh, when they've had to go out and make some coaching hires, they've gone and made some splashes, like getting Lindsey Gottlieb from the Cleveland Cavaliers to come in and coach the women's basketball team um, after her success at Cal. So they've been able to go and do you know, some of the things. I think that in the minds of many USC fans, like he's never going to be a good athletic director until he changes the head football coach, whether that's fair or not. Um, but I think that they have this new administration has definitely made a lot of changes and they've you know yesterday we spoke to uh, Bone and his chief of staff Brandon Sosna and they were talking about how they're trying to replicate You know what the other blue bloods are doing which is making their departments Kind of like a professional sports franchise in terms of you know there's someone for every single job and there's probably multiple people for every single job. So they're trying to build up that infrastructure And in that area, I think they've been pretty successful.
2: One last thing for me, Adam, it's this. We've seen what happened with Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. Is there any scenario under which USC would say, hey, we're not happy with what the Pac-12 has been doing, uh, falling behind some of the other power conferences? Uh, We're the straw that stirs this drink. We're out of here.
0: I mean, I think that is like a doomsday scenario for both USC and the Pac-12. I think that's like absolute worst case scenario. But Bone, you know, definitely made waves last year when he said, you know, USC, you know, it's not out of the question. Like they could explore their options. They could think about going independent. Um, He has not made any sort of comments nearly as inflammatory since then. Uh, I think that he and USC have been very impressed by George Kuliauskov. Like, they've been very impressed with the new commissioner and the fact that he came to USC first of his campus tours to check everything out. And they were very impressed with, you know, it wasn't just like perfunctory, shake hands, take pictures, whatever. He came with like really thought out questions about, you know, what do you think about the possible possibility of an expanded playoff? What do you think about, you know, the possibility of adding games to the schedule if you are in an expanded playoff? Is that beneficial? Does that hurt the program Hurt the student athletes? Like it was very thoughtful. And I think that they've been very impressed with the start of his term as commissioner.
1: Well, Adam, thank you very much for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you. That's uh, our friend Adam Grosbard, uh, covers USC for the
2: Orange County Register. I just keep thinking about what Norm Chow told me once about USC. He said USC gets what USC wants. The Pac-12, better keep that in mind because that would be uh, uh, an unhappy day if the Trojans ever got to uh, that point. However, they haven't been that great, you know. I mean. No, they have not. And if they get what they want,
1: maybe they should get some better players on defense because it sounds like (laughs) they're a little thin. It sounds like that might be the issue with this particular team. Mm -hmm. So they better score a zillion points with that
2: air raid offense because it sounds like they're going to need to. But even if they do continue on with the air raid, you still got to be able to run the football. And uh, Adam seemed less than convinced that they would be really effective in that way. Do
1: you really need to with the air raid? Because Leach runs it like five times a game.
2: Oh, I don't know. I I would think so, but that's just me. You do love that offense. Jake, I like a more balanced attack than that. But I do like utilizing enlightened football, you know, put the ball in the air. Because as Nick Saban has declared, you have to be able to have explosive plays to win in college football now.
1: I say this you every disagree. time you bring that up. It's, that's
2: really easy for Nick Saban to say. As I said, every time you say that, he said it in a coaching clinic to a bunch of people who weren't coaching in Alabama. So? What difference does that make? They don't have that advantage, and he knew they didn't have that advantage, and yet he said it was necessary for them as head coaches to do it anyway. Because he's
1: trying to tell them how smart he is. Oh, is that he the He could run the, the wing tee,
2: and they every game. <laughs> I like game. the wing tee, man. I, yeah, fighting blueheads used to run the wing tee. And they were win, winning plenty of football games before
1: Nick Saban ever said that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but but, he, but. he's learned that, that you have to be able to do that. He used to stress defense, and he said the heck with that. So what uh, what bad season forced him to come to that conclusion? Oh, uh, probably one of those years where they didn't win the national championship. One <laughs> of those where they
1: only won 11 games instead of
2: 12. Uh, it's The Utah loss still stings him, I'm sure. <laughs> they got thumped in that game. It's a long time ago there, Gordon. Well, he still remembers. So that's the I loss. I, I just it, can't believe it. that you're living in, uh, you know, in the leather helmet days, the goldfish swallowing days, the wave the pennant days. Come on, Jake, get with the, get, with the, get up to date. Yeah, hey, Jake, Nick foot- Saban remembers losing to the youth, just like Keaton Slovis remembers losing to the Cougars. True. After Gordon's famous. I, 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 I just I just don't know what you guys' deal is against Keaton Sloan. <laughs> Run, running the football still works, at, man. At, at no point did I ever say he was going to win the Heisman. You exaggerate everything. <laughs> but you're, you're so one-sided when it comes to your approach to offensive football it depends on where you You think that you should do nothing but run the ball you think sc should do nothing but run the ball it's true that's just not true anymore it is true. it's true it's not still
1: true. true it's not true how good has usc been since they've gone to this offense
2: well i mean yeah but there's a whole lot of other factors involved too namely really nice guy clay helton as its head coach how many conference championships leach won Jake. I'm, I, waiting. I'm not saying that it needs to be the air raid. I'm saying that you have to be able to throw the football more than five times a game. But this is that that's the modern offense everybody talks about, Gordon. That's uh
1: that's not archaic handing the ball off and man has it had uh, a the moderate to no success. Well, I'm done talking about this. <laughs> You're impossible.